0: So I'm Matt, I'm one of the pastors at the Village Church, if you're new with us, I'm glad you're with us, and, and there's probably two things that you've learned already about our church. One, it'd be helpful to know a little Hebrew, you know, it'd be helpful to know a little Hebrew, and, and also, um, we value all of the Bible. We value all of the Bible, so we're the kind of church that would actually take that long reading a section of the Bible that some people would see as a little uninteresting, perhaps. Maybe you've been in our scripture reading plan, and you've been wading through, and I yes, I just said wading through, you know, Leviticus or Numbers, and you're reading through lists, and you're like, what what does this have to do with, with much? Up till now, as we've been in the book of Nehemiah, we've been focused on Nehemiah and a lot of his story and his leadership gifts and abilities and qualities and the vision, the the dream that God had given him and talking about God gives us dreams and, and things that we want to see happen for the sake of his kingdom and he can empower us in similar ways. And it's been a little bit individualistic. I have a good friend who, uh, who knows the Bible very well, and he asked me after one Sunday after listening, um, uh, hey, at some point, are we going to get into like the, the, the corporate nature of this? And I said, yeah, in, in two weeks, the, this week, the week that we talk about rebuilding together, you might have noticed a shift in, in the list of all of those names, 41 different sections and groups of leaders and groups of people This morning, we're talking about the reality that rebuilding means rebuilding with everyone, rebuilding with all of God's people. And rebuilding with everyone means that everyone is mobilized. Everyone is mobilized, everyone's included. It's not just that everyone is welcome. And if you're a guest with us, you're you're welcome. We're really glad that you're here. But it's more than that. It's not just that everyone is welcome, everyone is mobilized, everyone is activated, everyone is involved. Again, 41 sections, 41 leaders, 41 groups of people all working at the same time. And, and 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 the emphasis on the word all. But it's interesting that this actually begins with the spiritual leaders. That's where it starts. That's where this chapter starts. Verse 1, then Eliashib, the high priest, rose up with his brothers, the priests. And they built the sheep gate. They consecrated it and set its doors. They consecrated it as far as the Tower of the Hundred, as far as the Tower of Hananel. This is always the way that it's been. This is always the way that it should be, that the spiritual leaders should go first. And this is inherently the way it is in the life of the church. When, When new churches get started, when new movements of God start and they begin, they begin with people that have an apostolic kind of gifting, the capital A apostles are the guys that started the life of the church. Apostles start new things. They're the literally the sent ones that go to start new things. We are part of a church planting network called Acts 29. We are about helping to get churches started and planted. We just visited Albania because we're helping a church planter start a church. And that spiritual leader likely has an apostolic kind of gifting. So this is inherent to the life of any movement of God, but it goes beyond that, that after things are established, the leaders still go first in these ways. At this point in the life of the rebuilding of God's people in Jerusalem, the priest could have said, hey, doing the wall work is kind of not our bag, you know. We're the guys that, um, like, we study the Bible, we study the, the, the Torah, we study God's word, we uh, focus on doctrine, we are in meetings, we make decisions, we don't build walls, right? We have other kinds of work. And, and they could have just walked away from it, but they didn't, they walked into it. And I'm kind of humbled and, and kind of proud to say on behalf of the pastors, and I'm not speaking as a pastor, I want to speak on behalf of our other pastors, that this is true of the spiritual leaders in our church for years People have called the leaders in our church working elders. They've used that description. We have a bunch of working elders. And it's true that our pastor elders in our churches are not just guys that study theology, although we love doing that and we try to prioritize it the best that we can. Not just guys that are in meetings making decisions for the life of the church. And and we like doing that and we hope we've made good decisions for the life of this church, especially in the season of the life of this church. But these guys are working elders; they're involved. You saw Pastor Darren helping to lead worship with his son. He was likely here at six thirty with his son, you know, because it, it takes that much time to get here that early to do all that they need to do. Last week I was here early, and or two weeks ago, I guess, and saw Pastor J.T. Ayers with his sons setting up all these canopies with his little sons because because he knows that the church needs it, and so he goes first. Okay, so this sermon is not about bragging on a bunch of our pastors, but I'm just I want to tell you. This is true in the life of this church, and I hope you're encouraged by that. The spiritual leaders, though, they're not just listed first. Maybe you noticed in this chapter, maybe you didn't as, you re- as they read, that they're actually also listed along with everyone else. It's not just that they're listed first and then everyone else. We, we make our way down to verse 17 where it says, after him the Levites repaired. Right in the middle of this chapter, we have some of the other spiritual leaders mentioned alongside the everyday ordinary people of God. In verse 28, it says, above the horse gate, the priest repaired, each one opposite his own house. The priests are mentioned again at the beginning and toward the end. Like they're involved, they're next to all of God's people. And this reminds us that although the spiritual leaders go first, spiritual leaders are not inherently more spiritual than any of the other people in the church. And they're not inherently more important than anyone else in the life of the church. And I want to tell you, and I want to encourage you that this is also true in the life of our church, in the life of this church. I may have mentioned this before, but, and if you around the church, you know this, the elders call me as the lead pastor, the first among equals as a way to say, you know, Matt has a leadership role and, and they defer to me and I defer to them and we defer to each other all the time and all kinds of things. It's just kind of the way we're structured, the way we describe it. it, it there's some emphasis there on my role as a lead pastor, but I don't have two votes and Pastor Darren has one. That just that's not the way it works in our church. And the pastors in this church, they're involved in the lives of the people in this church. They have relationships with everyone, just like everyone else. And your pastors know that they need to go first. And your pastors are eager to go first. They want to go first. And if you consider yourself a leader in any way, shape, or form in the life of this church, whether you, you consider yourself, you know, you are the, the spiritual leader in your home or you help to lead a community group or you volunteer and you help to lead one of the kids' classes or you do something behind the scenes in a leadership way or you don't have a position but you know deep down, you know your friends look to you and you have some kind of leadership role among a group of friends, partners or tenders here at the Village Church. Could I encourage you in this next season as we rebuild together to go first, If you consider yourself a leader in some way, could I encourage you to volunteer first? To sign up first. Like when the women's thing comes up, the women's gathering, be the first one to sign up. When the men's gathering, be the first man to sign up. Just get to that list first and then invite other people to come along with you. Be the first one to invite other people outside of our church into the life of our church. Be the first one to give when that project comes up where we need to do some work on the, the actual church building. We all need to give and contribute together. Be the first one to sign up. Rebuilding with everyone starts with the spiritual leaders, but includes everyone. It includes everyone as far as those who are on the fringes. Ironically, those, who, those are the people who are mentioned next, those on the fringes. Look at verse 2 where it says, And next to him the men of Jericho built. The men of Jericho lived a long way away. And they're not the only ones mentioned in this chapter, in these 32 verses, that lived a long way away. But they're the first ones mentioned, and they're mentioned right after the leaders. These are people that that were not at the center of all that was happening in Jerusalem. Yes, they had come back for one reason or the other to help rebuild. But they were from a long way away. Their life, their relatives, their, their connections, their social contracts, their businesses, all of that was a long way away from Jerusalem. And you could imagine they may have wondered, you know, how important is my role in rebuilding Jerusalem when I live way over there? I am not at the center. I'm at the fringes of this thing. And in the life of any church, there are different groups of people. And I, I created a little, little circle graph for you. I don't know if you can see it, but I tried with the white on the dark screens. But, but if you can see it, at, at the center is the core, the core of God's people in any, in any church. These are our leaders and our partners here at the Village Church. And, and the next circle out is, is the community, people who are attending the Village Church but are not yet partners, they're not yet leaders in, in any way either, but, but they're here. And if you're a part of our community, can I just pause and say, we're really glad you're here. And in so many ways, we consider you as part of the life of this church, okay? And then there's that next circle out that is really the crowd. It's, it's a group of people that, that come and they're kind of checking things out. They're kind of looking, is this the church I'm going to go to or not? They might come once a month. They're here, they're there, or whatever. And let me just say here in this moment that there are always people in the life of any church, including this church, that are part of the community. They're attenders, but not yet partners and leaders. But they have gifts and talents and abilities that this church needs. Could I just invite you in? Like, if you consider yourself part of the community, could I boldly ask you, become a village partner. Get involved in the core of the life of this church. Eventually become a leader. Like, like we, we want to see your gifts and talents and abilities that God has gifted and given to you, used in rebuilding the life of this church in the ways it needs to be in this next season. Please Come. And can I say there are some of you that are probably part of the crowd and you might be sitting in the back or on the outskirts or wherever. Maybe you're mixed in among everyone else. I don't know. But, but, but if you're part of the crowd and you feel like you're on the fringes, and this is true in any church, it's probably also true in our church. Maybe you feel like I'm not really connected. I don't really know a lot of people. I'm kind of hanging out here on the outskirts. I don't know if I want to be part of the church. Could I just extend my hand out and say, could you please come in? <laughs> If you're on the fringes and you feel like you're part of the crowd, can I kind of pull you in to the community? Would you visit a community group? Would you ask someone to lunch after church? Would you initiate with someone in some way if they haven't initiated with you? Please, please get, get off of the fringes. Please come from the crowd circle into the we want you to be involved in the community of this church. You likely have gifts and abilities and talents that that this church needs, that God's church needs. And we need you and we want relationship with you. So would you please come in? I can remember a time when the Lamone family was what I would consider on the outside circle. They, they were part of the, the crowd, so to speak. I kind of knew them from a distance. I kind of knew who they were, but I didn't know them. And then eventually they kind of got involved in the community of this church. And I remember knowing them a little bit, but not very well, because honestly, Trina would serve in the children's ministry most Sundays. She was always there. So I really didn't get to know her very well, but I got to know X pretty well. And then I invited X into the Apprentice Academy at one time. And he said, man, I don't know that that's my bag. And I'm like, dude, it's, it's every man's bag. Like, come in, be involved, get in, let's go. And and he, we walked together for a couple of years through the Apprentice Academy and you know, now if you say like Xavier and Trina Lamone, I mean, you, you can't say a name of a, of, a, of a family of a couple that's more involved in the center of the life of this church. They're so at the core. And I'm glad because they like to cook. It's awesome. You know, the, the grill and all the stuff, right? But they're just wonderful, beautiful people at the core. Like th- that story could be true for anyone. It should be true for everyone. Please come. Are you on the fringes? Do you need to, do you want to come into our community? Are, are you part of the community? Are you ready to, to commit to be part of the core, to be a village partner? Right now I'm, I'm lining up partner interviews that I'm going to do with some of the other pastors. We have new partners coming to be part of our church. We, we would love you to be a village partner. When God rebuilds, it doesn't just start with the leaders. It also starts with the men, everyday ordinary men and all kinds of men. The first mention that I see, uh, verse, verse 8, there's kind of this middle-class, blue-collar, kind of union kind of, kind of guy. Next to them, Uziel, the son of Harahiah, goldsmiths, repaired. Next to him, Hananiah, one of the perfumers, repaired. And they restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. They, these are skilled workers who would have some kind of specific skill? Some of them, like the goldsmiths, they might have some kind of specific skill where they thought, I could use my skilled kind of artisanship to contribute to the building of the wall. Others, others made perfume, I, I, I don't know, psst, 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 you know. Old school, uh, what are those diffusers with the essential oils to make it all like smell good so people were happy as they were re- rebuilding? I don't, I don't know, but, but, but they probably had soft hands, these guys, the perfume guys, right? <laughs> but maybe there are skilled workers, artisans, blue-collar kinds of dudes. Maybe you're that guy in the life of our church and you're thinking to yourself, I don't know how I can get involved. Like, I don't like sitting down reading books this thick on theology. Like, I like getting my hands in stuff. I I like building things. Great, we have tons of work for you in the life of this church. It also mentions guys that I think are more kind of white-collar, upper-middle-class guys next to them. Verse 5. Rephahiah, the son of her ruler of half the district of Jerusalem, he repaired. And there are several places where rulers of half of this place, or rulers of half of this city, or that region. And when you think about this, think, think landowners and think tenants. Think guys that say like, "Hey, I'm really good with my mind, I'm not that good with my hands." I'm, in, I'm into like reading stuff and blog posts and I'm into the economy and economics and, and investments. I like day trading, I like getting out there and, and figuring out business schemes and things like that. And I work mostly with my mind on those things. Again, think tenants and landlords. Think like, like if my landlord of the house that I rent in Northwood here in Irvine came to my house and he owns five homes, I, I know he has the resource to just write a check and have a repair guy come over. But what if he said, hey Matt, I'm coming over on Saturday and I want you and I to work on the fence together. You're like, okay, Greg, <laughs> that'd be great. Be kind of fun. I don't know why you'd want to do that, but that, that's great. Come on over. Let, let's do it together. I mean, that would be like something like that happening. You got you got guys like him and guys like me working alongside each other on a project together. The men need to be involved in the life of this church. The the blue collar guys, the white collar guys, every guy. But did you notice that not all of those white collar guys were involved? Verse five, it says, and next to them, the Tekoites repaired, but their nobles would not stoop to serve the Lord. The nobles from that group of people thought that the rebuilding of the wall was below them in some way. And let me just be clear. The work of God in the life of his people is below no one. It's below no one. And there are still people in the life of every church that, that primarily think their role is to fund the life of the church, not to do the work in the life of the church. So, so writing checks to send the team to Albania, but I'm not sure I would ever go. Funding the, 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 the worship leader that the Village Adventures group wants, but I don't, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna be the guy that walks around with all those kids following me and like tugging on my shirt for a whole week. There's no way. Yeah, I'll write a check and send 10 kids to the youth group camp, the scholarship fund, but, like, I'm not going to cook on that thing. When the building needs help, like, I'll be the first one in line. I'll write a check to get those garage doors installed and those windows over there. But, like, when the day comes to, like, actually install them with all the guys and kind of do the rough framing and all this stuff, like, that's probably for someone else. I think I'm playing golf that day. Like, that, that still happens in the life of every church. It could happen in the life of our church. And I don't sense that around here, but it happens here in Nehemiah. And I just want to say, while earning large sums of money and being generous with it is a huge and a vital part of the life of any church, like supporting the work of the ministry in that way is vital. The scholarship funds and all of it, but it's not the only way for white collar people to be involved in the life of God's church. And, and this is sometimes a problem problem it's an issue in, in communities like ours where we have a, a lot of high earning jobs and, and, and white collar kinds of workers. I mean, it, this happens in places like California and New York and Seattle and Austin and other parts of the country. Okay, enough on that. Look at the women, they're involved. Verse 12, it's not just the leaders. It's not just the men. The women are involved in this project. Next to him, Shalom, the son of Haloesh ruler of half the district of Jerusalem repaired he and his daughters. And when God wants to do something among his people, he does it through all of his people who were created in his image and likeness, the men and the women alike. And there are certain things in the life of God's people that the men in the church should not expect the women to do, but would welcome them to do. An example is after this service, you may see, you know, people tearing down some of these canopies and and a half a dozen will be left. And there'll be a group of dudes standing around in a circle talking or whatever. And then there's a couple of women breaking one down. And I see it and I go like, Oh man, I don't like watching that. Okay. Like I welcome that. It's great. Let's go but I, I don't like watching that. I mean, there's certain work to was like, hey guys, get, can you like, can you go please? You know, I, but then I remember there's actually, a, there was a picture hanging in the, in the hallway of my daughters and I with shovels, you know, with this mission trip in Mexico, you know, me and my two daughters digging out a road together. Like we, we want to invite the men and the women into almost everything in the life of this church together. And as a church, I want you to know that we want to do that in, in a God-ordained way, the God-ordained ordering of things. We just believe that that God's ordained that men should lead the spiritual leaders in their home. They should be the spiritual leaders in God's church as the pastors of God's church. And and they should help the men, other men and women of the church to be involved in every other way in the life of the church. That the men should definitely not act like chauvinist in any way, shape or form with any kind of like authoritarian kind of of vibe that's, that's gross. But on the other end, that the men should not act as, as cowards either. They should not be cowards and, and not step in. In our scripture reading plan this week, we read about the prophet Deborah and the reason that she, or the judge Deb, uh, Deborah, and the reason she stepped up is because none of the dudes would do it. God save us from that day. We're not into cowardice either. We're into we're into a compassionate, sort of complimentary co- kind of relationship where we believe that the men should, should lead in very bold and assertive and compassionate and caring and servant and humble-oriented kinds of ways. This week I had a conversation, an email exchange with Michelle Herring, and she was just saying, man, in the next season in the life of this church, I want to see the women who helped to lead our community groups cared for very, very well. And I was like, amen and amen. She was like, can I please continue to do these sorts of things? And the answer is absolutely, let's go. We love conversations like that. I want to let all of you know that like right now your, your village pastors are, are in the process of, of hiring a women's director for the life of our church. Because we believe we want, we want a, a woman on our staff that invests into the lives of the women in our church in some very particular kinds of ways. We value all of the people in the life of our church. The men, the women, the children, the youth, everyone. We're rebuilding with everyone. And we hope the women in our church feel that. If you're a woman in the life of our church and you're wondering, how do I get involved? Please, please come. Like we want you to be involved in the life of God's church. But it's not just the leaders, it's not just the men, it's not just the women. There's actually, I think, some single adults that are mentioned in this passage. Do you believe me? Look at verse 23. After them, Benjamin and Hashub repaired opposite their house, okay? I think you've got two like single dudes, like roommates, right? (laughs) Like they're sharing a place where they're living, and they're not yet married. They don't have wives. They don't have children to protect and to provide for. So they're not repairing that part of the city to protect and to provide for their families, but they contribute to the life of God's church, of God's people equally. And it might be understandable if they were like, hey, that, that's that guy's house and that's that guy's family. So that's that guy's problem and responsibility. But that's not what they did. They got involved repairing with everyone else. And, and if you're a single adult in the life of this church, whether that's like a college person or a career person, or, or you find yourself a little later in life and you're a single adult. I just want to say, we're so glad you're part of our church. We need you to be part of this church. We want you to be part of the church. We welcome you into all of the things in the life of this church. And, and, and I can understand how it might be tempting to think, well, you know, I don't know if that can be happen because it seems like most of the stuff that goes on in the church is family church and family stuff. And I just want to pause and say, yeah, that's kind of true, but, but there's but there's a good reason for it. Any growing church, including this church, is filled with young families. That's always the way that it is. And a church can grow with a lot of young adults and it can explode real quick, but it will not last unless some of them get married and have kids and they start having kids and, and it starts growing with young families. Young families are always a central part of any growing church. So yeah, it makes sense that there's a lot of things that go on for families in the life of this church, but... This is a church family. And it's not just families that make up the church family. Everyone makes up the church family. And so if you're a single adult and you have an ability to help in certain ways because you don't have kids right now or you're not married right now, that's incredible. And if you're able to learn some things from the people that are married or do have kids, that is equally incredible. We should share those things together. I remember the Sunday that I just stepped up and said, hey, Village Kids needs more help because we're opening another class and we're meeting outside, so we need more volunteers. Pastor Josh needs your help. I remember a number of Biola Biola and otherwise college students, people from CBU in our local area, a bunch of our college students just said, yeah, we're in. And so like that morning, I walked over and like he got like a whole group of volunteers. I just want to say thank you if that was you and thank you to people like you who are young adults in the life of our church. This is always the way that God intended it to be. and God still intends it to be this way. In First Peter, we read these words, as you come to him as a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. Romans 12 says, for by the grace that was given to me, I say everyone of you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. It's no one more important than anyone else but to think of himself with sober judgment, each according to the measure of the faith that God's assigned. For as in one body, we have many members and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though we're many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. So I wanna ask you to do something that you should never do in church. Take out your cell phone. <laughs> Let's go. Just take out your cell phone. And you might not need to use it, but you might. Some people used it at the first service. So take out your cell phone. Don't video me or anything <laughs> dumb like that. Okay? <laughs> Too much of that already. On our website, you can go to villagechurchurban.com if your partner should be on your favorites, okay? And you can go there, and on the mobile device, it'll be on your upper right corner, there's that little like icon, you click it, and it's gonna open up, and you're gonna scroll down, and there's gonna be a page that says serve teams, and you're gonna click on it. And once you click on the page that says serve teams, there's gonna be like this big bar across the bottom that says like join a serve team, you're gonna click on that one. And then we're gonna ask you for like your name and your email, and you're gonna check a couple boxes, and you're gonna scroll down, there's gonna be this whole laundry list of ways that you can get involved serving in the life of our church. And so like this is the one time where as I continue to talk, you have permission from me, the guy that's talking, to just listen and scroll down and check some boxes at the same time. And we want this to be something where where you're using your gifts and your passions, but we also work hard to make it convenient for you. Did you notice in this passage they're all rebuilding around the place they live? Like, there is some convenience that's mixed in. We're not saying, like, come serve and do it on our terms always. You know, that's not, not what we're doing. We're saying like, we need you to serve in the life of this church. We want you, and we want to help it be convenient in some ways with the way it's scheduled or when you do it or when you're on or you're off. But would you mind just having gifts that differ according to the grace of given to us? Would, would you use them in this next season? Listen, when we rebuild with everyone, when everyone is mobilized, something happens. And that's the second thing, that rebuilding with everyone brings a sense of momentum. It brings a sense of momentum. It's crazy what happened in this chapter in Nehemiah. After this, they rebuilt this wall, listen, in 52 days. Something that it took decades for other people to even contemplate and that they never actually did. They built it in 52 days. And I just want to say, as we rebuild together as a church in this next season of the life of our church, listen to me, it doesn't need to take a long time. I'm getting countless emails from all these like church consulting groups and all these conferences and they're saying, hey, this is the future of the church and the future of the church is, is hybrid and it's all online and it's going to take a while to accomplish, but you need to hop on it now. And I say, no, stop. It doesn't need to take a long time. And that is not the future of the church in my humble opinion, a little passionate you could tell. It doesn't need to take a long time. If everyone is involved, if everyone is mobilized, if everyone is saying, yeah, we are going to rebuild together, the leaders, the men, the women, the single adults, if we're all saying together, yeah, we're in and we're rebuilding, it doesn't need to take a long time. And by God's grace, it won't. It shouldn't. There's no reason for that. In the life of our church, by God's grace, we are fairly healthy in a lot of ways. And we know that because we talk to you, we survey you as our partners. But there are areas in our church that need to be rebuilt, but it doesn't need to take forever. It shouldn't. We are God's people. We have a common master like they did. There's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We know him as Jesus, right? He is our common master. We have a common mission. Their mission, rebuild this wall. Our mission, grow and multiply disciples. We're all united in that thing. And we have a common means. Their means was, was work and worship. Our means is the ordinary means of God's grace in our life, the things that we do. We gather, we sing, we preach, we fellowship, we serve, and we do it together in person. That is has always been, and I believe, always will be the way God's people rebuild the life of the church we're going to do it face to face we're going to do it in person we're going to be together disembodied community doesn't work for very long so is the future of the church hybrid maybe and maybe I'm wrong I've been wrong before and will we continue to have our our live stream sure if you're on vacation great if you're sick great if you have a health concern or some reason you can't come great but there are a lot of ways that we can come and gather together and we will The future of the church is the means of God's grace that he's always given to his church. Okay, I'll stop yelling. You get the point? And rebuilding with everyone, it brings a sense of momentum because the third and last thing this morning is this, that rebuilding with everyone, it mimics something of the nature and the plan of God. I mean, there are a lot of churches that are boasting about how many people they're reaching online, and I think that's great, and we should reach them. I wonder how many people are showing up. The churches where people are meeting face-to-face, there's a lot of people showing up. And I think there's a lot of good reasons for that, but I think this is the best one. I said disembodied community doesn't work for very long. We are embodied souls. And rebuilding with everyone, it it mimics something of the nature and the plan of God. God exists as one God in three persons Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Godhead models this for us. God models this for us. We see this in creation where the father decrees and speaks creation. He he decrees it's going to be done. The son actually does the work of creation. We know from Colossians in John chapter one, and the spirit is there in Genesis hovering over the waters. He's involved in it. The whole Godhead is involved in the work of creation. But we also see this in the work of redemption. We see that God did create everything perfect. It was not broken. It did not need to be repaired. It did not need to be rebuilt. It was was perfect the way God always intended. But then sin entered the world. We sinned against God by disobeying Him, disregarding Him. We broke our relationship with Him. It's called the fall. And and because of that, everything was broken our relationship with God, our relationship with each other, the systems and structures that are uh, built by human beings because we're, we're broken, sinful people. They're all broken. But God wasn't content to leave us in that broken place with the walls, in a sense, broken down. But God put a plan in place to redeem his people and to redeem relationship with his people and to rebuild it again, to restore it again, to renew them, literally, to regenerate them, to change their hearts and their minds and to bend them toward himself again in relationship with him. And here's the incredible thing. Listen to me. God himself became part of his own plan. God was not one of those people who was like, yeah, I'll fund that, but I'm not getting involved. No, 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 God came to us in the person of Jesus Christ. He condescended from heaven to earth. The creator came into his creation and he lived a sinless life on our behalf. Mind you, a very poor blue collar one at that. He had no place to be born. He had no place to be buried. He had no place to lay his head in between. He condescended. He came to us, became part of his own plan. And for all of those who put their faith and their hope and their trust in him, he includes them in his plan. We're called his church and we are the plan. We are his plan A. He wants to work through his people, which is why we need to be together. And one day he will come back to make all things new again. That's called the consummation. He'll finish his plan once and for all. He'll return again as we sang about. And everything will be made new. I think that's connected to our good news this morning. I think it's this, that God is working his plan to redeem and rebuild his people. And he invites all of his people to be part of it. I got to tell you, if you're a Christian, I hope that is really good news and it's music to your ears. Because if you're like me, I cannot imagine my life without being part of the things God is doing. I can't even think about it. I can't even, I mean, what would my life be like? How much joy would be sucked out of my life? How much purpose would be devoid of, I mean, what what would my life be like if I wasn't included in God's purposes? And as God's people, we get to be included in his purposes to redeem his people. There's still people that don't yet know him out there that he's going to redeem and to rebuild his church after a difficult season. You want to be part of that? I do. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for being so good to redeem us. If that was all that it was, (laughs) that would certainly be enough. We need your redemptive work in our life. Um, Lord, thank you that you're so good to not only to redeem us, but to include us. To include us in the things that you're doing. And I want to pray for your church here, for the Village Church, that that it would be a church where everyone is mobilized, that everyone is included, everyone is welcome, everyone is participating. A common master, you, a common mission, growing, multiplying disciples, common means, the common means you've always given us. We thank you, we're grateful, we sing to you. It's in your name and for your sake, Jesus, we say and ask these things, amen.